Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined only uh, this week by uh, my fellow analyst, Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going? It's going, man. It's a throwback to the early days of the show, and it was just a two-man show, a much simpler time. Yeah, when the when the ratings were much better, big big ratings at that time. Fail, like the now. Failing Commitment Issues podcast is down in the tubes because of Nick Kruger. Sad. It's like when uh, Schwarzenegger took over The Apprentice. Similar similar ratings issues. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we want to tell everyone to please uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Actually, I don't know if you've noticed, Rob, but uh, Apple Podcasts now has a new format on iOS 11. Have you upgraded yet? I have not. Oh, boy. It's 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 a little tough to work around, but I can tell you this. It's much easier to leave a review. You can literally scroll down any episode you're listening to and give a uh, a rating and write a review very, sim- very simply. So no more excuses, people. Get on it. Tell a friend. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, uh, et cetera. So, Rob, we got all types of stuff going on. We want to make our picks first. And I realized I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't do a good job of putting said picks on the sheet uh, as I'm trying to prepare when uh, to get to the dentist appointment. So, I'm I'm stretching right now. That's what I'm doing. Um, uh, I was gonna say you can just throw them out, and I'll I'll just I can pick on the fly. I'm confident enough in myself. Is it possible that this week there's not one top 25 team against another top 25 team? It is, I suppose. Um, I, have, I have not looked at the schedule at all. I've been super busy. That's that's what I see. I do not see. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not looking good here. There's not a lot of options for us. So we'll start with this one. Uh, since since uh, TCU, the number six team in the country, going to Kansas State. At Bill Snyder Stadium. Guys, the coach has got a stadium named after himself. Uh, what do you think? They are Kansas State four and a half point underdogs. That's it. That seems like a very, very light line. What What are we thinking? I, I'm on the frogs to cover that. Um, K-State just isn't very good. The defense is a problem. The quarterback issue is a problem. They lost their quarterback last week. Uh, they'll either roll with backup Alex Delton, who you and I are very familiar with from the recruiting circuit, or uh, half-injured Jesse Hurts. Neither one of that uh, those situations sounds very promising, so I'll take the Frogs. Yeah, so what's the deal then with that line? Four-and-a-half-point favorites, the number six team in the country going against a backup quarterback? Yeah, I don't know. K-State, I guess, is traditionally tough in that building, and maybe they just don't believe in T. Sorry, the you know the Miami police force outside my window, if you can hear it, as always. Um, it must just be a home field advantage thing. I But I think it's a light line, like you said, and I'm on the frogs. All right, next up, Auburn at LSU. Uh, now this one, I don't know. Oh, it's not a night game. It's an afternoon game, so 3.30 start uh, at Tiger Stadium. Uh, tough place to play. But uh, the Tigers, six-and-a-half-point favorites. So um, this is a tough one for me because if we go based on, uh, you know, initially early in the year, I didn't think Auburn was very good. I don't think their fans thought they were very good either. We saw they were already making preparations for who was going to be the next coach and, and things like that. But all, all of a sudden, they look good. I mean, they, they, they've they killed some teams. Obviously, they haven't played, you know, the best of a lineup. But I mean, they murdered Mississippi State, which we know. Uh, Wait, they're had the no underdog issue. in this game? No, uh, LSU is the underdog. Sorry, did oh, I? Okay, I, well, I think you said I think you said the uh, Tigers, which you know. My bad, Auburn. Well, yeah, they're both the Tigers. Auburn six and a half point favorites. So, 
Personally, I'll go first. Personally, I'm taking Auburn. I'm taking any team that's good in the SEC over LSU by at least a touchdown. So uh, I, I picked Florida last week. Maybe should have learned my lesson, but guess what? I'm going. I'm going with uh, the uh, Tigers in this one. Uh, LSU is clearly the second worst team with the Tiger mascot in the SEC. I will. Uh, I will take. I will take Auburn. Uh, they are probably the best team with the Tiger mascot in the SEC. Okay, so we go back-to-back road dogs uh, so far. Now, boy, I wish Nick was on for this one, huh? Where is he at? Oklahoma and Texas, the uh, – what is it called? The uh, What's the politically correct name, the socialist name for this game? The, the Red, Red River, River Rivalry. <laughs> the two teams that are close in proximity to one another but are – not the closest of friends rivalry. <laughs> red red insinuates blood, so that's offensive to me. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> Michael liked that. Um, Oklahoma is seven and a half point favorite. They're coming off that bad loss uh, against Iowa State, which was just brutal. Um, but, you know, I, Texas Texas 2-0 in the conference. They're actually ahead of Oklahoma in the conference. So do we... I guess this isn't a true road game. This is a neutral site game. But what do you think? Do we take uh, do we take all three essentially road teams in this one, uh, Rob? Texas isn't very good. Oklahoma, I think, despite whatever the hell happened last week in Ames or in Norman, excuse me, was that Norman? Yeah, I think it was a home game. Jeez. I, I still maintain that they're good. I'll take the team with the better players uh, <laughs> and the better track record here to cover. And I know that's – and they're not really a road game. I mean, that game in Dallas is as close to Norman as it is to Austin. It's – you know, it's a good midway point. That, you know, that's a great atmosphere. I've covered that game before. That might be my favorite my favorite college football atmosphere in the country is that it, – because it, it's done around the Texas State Fair. So you can get all your fattening foods and your fried Oreos and, you know, very – Texas things uh, it, because it's planned around that. It's it's really kind of a crazy place for a football game, and I enjoy it. Uh, I know that's kind of a rant, but I'm on I'm on the same. <laughs> All right, so those are our three games this week. We did not revisit the records on the season. Rob, you went two and one last week with your surprise pick of West Virginia, so you are now thirteen and six on the season. That is incredible. I uh, the other way. I'm six and thirteen. <laughs> I continue to just be terrible. But guess what? We picked all three of the same this week. So uh, you might be coming down to my level. And then Nick also, uh, he went one and two last week to make him nine and 11 on the air. So boy. We'll make Nick text our piss picks, right? We're not going to let him off the hook just for not being on the episode. Yeah. You know, I think I messed up the records too. Nine and Nick is nine and 10, not nine and 11. Um, so yeah, well, Nick will tell us his picks. He might even patch him in himself here if he... Uh, if he so chooses when he is editing. So uh, let's jump into the topics. We're kind of, you know, obviously in a, a little bit of a rush this week. But number one story, our man, Justin Fields, provider of so much recruiting content over the last six months, makes his decision, really came together in a hurry. Uh, he he just said, I'm announcing Friday, uh, went ahead, made his announcement, closed to the media, by the way, which I want to talk about. But let's celebrate for Georgia first this has to be this is as big as it gets I mean we were all we were both in the direction of he wasn't going to go to Georgia and then over the last month it sort of sort of seemed that way what did you think when it finally went down you know let's just dive into it good for Georgia they got a five-star Justin Fields a good player they have a bunch of five-star quarterbacks yada 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 awesome there was a helicopter over the (laughs) 
over the top of this guy's school from a local news station. And it's not like the school is open air. So what do you gain by flying a news helicopter over an event close to the media? I, like, I, don't, I, I guess I don't understand. They just really needed a shot of the high school so bad that they, they flew a news helicopter over his school? Uh, you know, I, I know. Don't don't ask me to understand local TV. I mean, it's crazy. What? Why even make it? Why even tell anyone you're announcing if you don't want the media to come? Just do it. Wouldn't it have been great if you just surprised everyone at the pep rally and just just went ahead and came out and and announced? Like, I got a theory. I, I cannot imagine that Justin Fields, at 17 years old, made the call to not let the media into the high school. I mean, I can't imagine any situation where it's like he walked into the principal's office and was like, look, you got to ban the media from this thing. That definitely was not a Justin Fields call. Uh, that probably came from a school official or something uh, something like that, right? That I mean, that's what conventional wisdom would would indicate. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, we immediately got derailed and didn't talk at all about Justin Fields. Well, I mean, what is there to talk about, though? I mean, he's a good player. He's going to Georgia. Hooray for Georgia. They got a great quarterback. But I don't necessarily think that's the compelling topic here, is it? Everybody, I mean, we've gone ad nauseum about how great it is that they landed Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I do think, to answer your earlier question, somebody decide, somebody who – thinks they're way more important than they actually are, you know, because this is what happens. We've seen, how many times have we seen this with high school coaches who have one good player and then they turn into, you know, they turn into Sean Spicer or whatever. (laughs) It's like where they want to push the media out and say, you know, Hey, you guys sticking cameras in his face. It's like, yeah, we're just here to do our job. The kid knows the deal. We know the kid better than you do. Just let us do our job and we'll go home, you know? Like, yeah, well, it's, it's pretty it's simple. age-old thing that we've talked about where it's football coaches doing things for other football coaches. We talk about that all the time. The only reason to do this is it's, look how together my team is. Look how focused on winning we are. We won't even let the media into an announcement in an assembly because we're all about winning here at Blah Blah High School. And we don't care about the glitz and the glamour of college football. We're, we're here to play on Friday nights and bring our lunch pail to work and yada, 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 and every other stupid thing high school football coaches repeat over and over again. Yeah. That, that's what it was for. That, that might have a lot to do with it. But I personally, I was really turned off by it. And uh, I was out of town. And I believe uh, Jake Jake Roos, who covers Georgia for us for uh, UGASports.com, some, he had audio of the announcement. He somehow snuck in some type of a recorder. So big shot, big shot up. to him for the the, the modern day Woodward, Woodward and Bernstein uh, in one man's body. Wiretaps inside a small Georgia high school. Right, I like it. Good. I listen. I, I've got as I said, I, I'm real mad about this stuff. You want to talk about a rant? I, I, you know, whatever. I, I don't, I don't get it. I think it's, I think it's stupid. So we want to talk about uh, the other school. Well, f- first, let's say, it's just this is it for Eason, right? He's a, he's a goner. Conventional wisdom would dictate uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would not stick around if I were Jacob Eason. I think Georgia fans will not like to hear that, but that's how the world works now. I mean, we said this about Kyle Allen when Texas A and M landed a good quarterback. Will he transfer? We got called a bunch of names, including one that I got in trouble for for repeating on this podcast, and then it happened. So uh, Georgia fans won't like to hear it, but if Jacob Eason is, I mean, if 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 he looks at this logically, I think he's gone. You have to say these kid, these guys, and that's what happens. If you want to recruit five star quarterbacks every year, they're not going to stay. I mean, elite quarterbacks they want to play; they don't want to sit on the bench. So he's not going to go from, you know, 
being uh, the starter to go ahead and battling as a backup. I still think the one thing that could change is if he comes out and plays well, if, if something happens to Fromm and he's needed to kind of rise to the occasion and he kind of plays well and gets the job back. But otherwise, I think it's a Drew Bledsoe situation, and I think he uh, he's going to move on. And and if I'm a Georgia fan, can you, be, can you honestly be mad at him for leaving? No. I mean, not if he's going to be a, potentially a third-string quarterback. Um, you know, but probably a backup because he's the experienced guy next year. No matter what happens, and we've said this, if Jake Fromm finishes the season out and they play for an SEC title, there is nothing you can do to bench him. You, you risk too much. No matter what, Jacob Eason cannot win the job in the spring. You can't. You, you just risk too much. Uh, no matter how bad Fromm is behind closed doors, if he takes your team to the SEC title game and then stinks it up next camp, it's not going to matter because what's it going to look like to the fans? Oh, this guy that led us you know, to a place we have not been in years, uh, we're going to go ahead and bench him in favor of this other dude who's pretty unproven. And then if it goes haywire, it's it's on you. You know, that's your scalp. Right, exactly. I do think there will be, because when when they got from, Georgia fans were saying, oh, we don't want Easton, we want from. And I do think there is some potential for next year for, oh, from's not playing well, we want fields. <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's the only thing that makes me nervous about signing back. But it's a positive problem to have if you're. Yeah, it's one of the best problems you can possibly have. I mean, this is not a this this is not dire straits for UGA. All right, we talked a little bit about this last week. Florida State now they miss on fields, and we wrote an article together where we looked at some of what the other schools are going to do at quarterback. Um, What do you think? I mean, is is there anyone out there Florida State can get? We know they they had thought about targeting. the North Carolina commit, Tyler Show, I think is how you say his name. He committed to Oregon this week. He flipped. So that's another guy off the board for them. What are they going to do? Who who do they find at quarterback at this point in the game? I think, you know, they're high on a couple guys. Um, I think, and, you know, poor Kentucky, you know. They're high on Jared Williams, who's committed to Kentucky. And it seems like Kentucky always finds themselves in this situation, right? They've got a quarterback they love committed. Last year, Alabama comes and takes him. This year, Florida State may come and try to take Jaron Williams. I know they're high on him. I think that might be the next guy on their board, along with a couple other dudes behind Fields. So I think those phone calls are going to come to Williams. Now, just how that plays out uh, will be mighty interesting, because I'm sure Kentucky fans are sick and tired of having traditional powers come and take their candy at the last minute. Well, and Kentucky fans really think, I mean, you want to talk about a fan base that's mad at me. You know, I, I told them that I didn't think a lot of those offers of Williams were committable at the time, which... I don't think they were because this was, you know, a, a year ago, maybe six months ago, because you saw Florida State was waiting on fields. Obviously, a lot of the schools were, you know, they were kind of keeping Williams, uh, you know, they're keeping him interested, but not necessarily willing to take his commitment. I think he found that out when he decommitted from Kentucky and then quickly committed back. So. If I were him, I would stick with Kentucky personally because if these schools are so lukewarm on you that they're not willing to take you right away, what do they? Why would you go there and be in a situation where they're probably going to recruit over you anyway? No, I don't understand. And I thought that, and I feel like it's now that it's said and done. It's okay for me to say this now. I thought that last year when Mac Jones flipped, I, I think that it would have been a much better situation for him to stay at Kentucky. But you know, the allure of Alabama, and now he's on a depth chart behind two people. Um, so maybe there's a, you know, maybe that's a, a learning situation for Mac and even for, for the, the Kentucky staff to use uh, in the upcoming recruiting pitches to Jaron Williams. Uh, hey, look at look at what happened with Mac Jones. Look at last year. 
uh, might not be a bad pitch. Uh, now, that's a lot easier said than done. You know, the allure of Florida State and their quarterback situation right now, which, you know, kind of begs for a guy to come in there and, and maybe be able to slot himself in right behind DeAndre Francois and compete going forward after he leaves is appealing. Uh, I'm not saying that <laughs> he shouldn't go there. I'm just saying that, you know, there's at least that pitch on the Kentucky end that they could use. All right, so so we're going to watch Florida State. I think you and I are going to work on some different articles about the quarterback situations around the country. But if you want to check that out, we wrote it last week. Uh, you can find it on Rivals.com. So uh, moving on, next topic. We're, we're going quickly. Tennessee continues to – somehow in a bye week, we're still talking about Tennessee. Unbelievable. As uh, Daryl Taylor, one of their best defensive players, personally one of the guys who jumps out most to me when I watch them play, he gets in a fight with uh, Trey Smith. Highly controversial figure, at least uh, rankings-wise, uh, and uh, you know was ranked as the number one overall player by by another recruiting service. He is starting and playing, and I guess I guess they must they must be going head to head. They get into an argument. Uh, reports say that Taylor ended up kicking. Uh, Kicking Smith in the face, uh, <laughs> and the report didn't say kicking him in the face. The report said he kicked his face, which I laughed at kicked, more than I, more than I should have. <laughs> he kicked his face, and he needed stitches. Now Butch Jones came out yesterday, had another press conference where he said some quote that everyone pulls out and then makes fun of. Um, so <laughs> I I don't know. It's a dicey situation. I think I think things are. Things are not trending upward. This it could be this week. This could be it. Uh, they play South Carolina. It could be win or go home for for Butch Jones. But you don't think they'll carry him until the end of the season, no matter what. Not if stuff like this keeps happening. You gotta, you know, this is eerily similar to Mark Helfrich last year. Do you remember with when they started going downhill and all of a sudden it was just like it snowballs, um, and then you had people, you had players getting in trouble off the field. You can't have let you and I both know that. Fights happen at football practices all the time, but it's mostly during training camp. You're not fighting in the middle of the season. And if you are, it never gets out. Not enough to where it gets reported like this. I can't believe it got out. And I'm wondering, okay, so let's break this down. It probably wasn't an assistant coach because their jobs are tied to Butch's job. So I don't think an assistant leaked this. This was definitely a player on the team called a reporter or was talking to a reporter and said, hey, this happened in practice today. Which makes me wonder, unless you're just unbelievably dumb, if you're a player and you're leaking this kind of information to a reporter intentionally, it's because you got beef with your head coach. Uh, you would not do this to a head coach that you were loyal to. That, that just wouldn't happen because you know what the implication is going to be. Or at least you should. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but it definitely wasn't an assistant. Uh, and I, who else is at practice leaking this information out? I don't think the reporter saw it. It was a per source situation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I heard about it before it was even reported. So, and I didn't hear it from a player, but I heard a secondhand info. It's the the leaks are, uh, you know, it's a it's a WikiLeaks situation. No, it's there. malice too. I mean, it's definitely malice towards Butch Jones. I mean, these aren't leaking out accidentally. They're leaking out with intent. I mean, the reason these are coming out is pointed at Butch Jones. It's because of Butch Jones. It's because they want it to look bad on him. Whether you know, I mean, this happens like you said all the time. It never comes out like this. Now, I wanted to move on. We're not going to skip uh, this uh, topic I had here. We're, we're going to talk about this Washington against ESPN beef. Uh, 
Chris Peterson came out last week and said he wasn't happy with these late kickoffs, saying it could be hurting his team in terms of an exposure aspect. We've seen it impact guys, you know, in terms of the Heisman Trophy, uh, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. But these Pac-12 games oftentimes kick off at 10.30, 10.15, sometimes even 11. I think Oregon and Stanford is an 11 p.m. Eastern kickoff this week. You know, Bryce Love is a guy who's in the Heisman mix. Then ESPN came back. I mean, did you see some of the comments from ESPN I mean, this past week? Kirk Herbstreit is giving his last, like, giving his last F on the season. He is just taking. He's firing at everybody on game day. This is a new Kirk. Right. He's, he's energized. Giving, he's giving us stuff to talk about every week. This week he said, "What? Did, okay, his his quote was, uh, I forget what his. He basically said, he said they, they should be lucky. lucky. Yeah, they're lucky." maybe he's hitting that age where it's just you don't care what you say anymore you know how when people get old it's like i'm just gonna say this and it doesn't really matter uh maybe herb street is is trending in that direction the next thing you know he's just gonna be cursing on television like lee corso and everybody will laugh well that would be great if if that happened but so he comes out and says on game day that that chris peterson should be lucky that the failing (laughs) pac-12 has games broadcast he didn't say that he didn't that failing but to say that they should be lucky that they're on then during the game which was odd uh which which is really odd they chris peterson then refused to do the pregame interview did you know that yeah and then that that brought on one of the commentators right to call him like surly or something like that Right, so they put a graphic on the screen over him that says Pac-12 ratings, game starting after 9 Eastern on ESPN average, 38% more viewers than earlier kick times. They put that on the screen. Then Rod Gilmore, who's a Pac-12 guy, I think he played at Cal, says he's entitled to his own opinion but not his own facts, and his facts were wrong on this. (laughs) Well, he is – okay. So I suppose the larger conversation, which we've had on this podcast and we can have a little bit again, is how far you can get in the media if you're just nice to people. And our boy Peterson has got a reputation for being a little bit surly and a little standoffish with reporters and really old school. And I think that if this was another coach that maybe had a history of being nicer, rightly or wrongly, uh, this would have been played differently. But people have been kind of looking to dump on Chris Peterson for some time uh, because he is one of these guys that's wildly successful, but is not exactly (laughs) the nicest guy when it comes to playing nice with people like us. Uh, And whether that's right or wrong, I mean, it's a reality of the situation. Uh, We reporters love to dump on people that are mean to us. That's just what happens. This, But this ratings thing, I mean, does it... (laughs) I hate to, to be political, but this doesn't it seem a little political to you with this. It, it, it seems like it was this was an orchestrated attack by ESPN. I mean, and the Washington fans are really mad about it. Oh, well, I think they kind of have a point. Yeah, no, this. I mean, Peterson fired the first shot. But yeah, it's definitely orchestrated. There was I mean, I'm not going to say there was a meeting, but. I wouldn't be surprised if there was an email chain or something. Uh, I don't understand what the point is except for making everybody look bad. Uh, I think Peterson kind of looks like a whiner. ESPN looks awful, uh, which has become the norm over there for the last couple of months. They can't seem to get out of their own way. And the last thing they need is another one of these scandals and a high profile feud. Yeah, I, but I think we can always we can obviously boil this down to recruiting, right? This is Peterson does not want to be on that late because he wants to. He wants to be on the same time as USC, basically. Yes. He wants people in L.A. to watch his games. 
He wants people around the country to see because that's who he's recruiting against. I mean, Washington is a top 10 team now. And in order for them to, to recruit on an elite level, I mean, they've got a commitment from a guy in Tennessee. They're, they're trying to, to, to extend the reach. They need to be seen, and, and more importantly, they need to be seen, you know, by people, uh, you know, in the media so they can get some credit they deserve. I grew up on the West Coast, and watching sports, you lived in Arizona, so you know this, watching sports on the West Coast is great. I mean, it's phenomenal. You can watch all these games. You can watch every college football game starting at 9 a.m., and you're done at 10.30 at night, and then you can still go out and have a good time. Yeah, well, I, I think that our people that... uh our people that enjoy playing the lines would say that, you know, that takes away your 11 PM chase on Hawaii. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it's, you know, you don't get the 11 PM chasing the money on Hawaii situation, but other than that, it is very nice. Yes. Right. But so when you're living out there, you don't really notice it. Right. But then when, when you move out here, I mean, I love watching the PAC 12 and there's a lot of times where I'm not going to bed till 3 AM. There was a couple of weeks ago. There was two games on, I think it was Oregon Cal and it was, uh, it might have been whoever Stanford was playing. I can't remember the second game that was going on that night, but I had them both on two TVs. And I'm sitting here and it's like 2.30 and I'm like, <laughs> I got to go to bed. You know, I got I got to mow the lawn tomorrow. I got a lot of stuff to do. And then I end up sleeping until 11 or something on Sunday. So it, it takes dedication to stay up late and watch those games. I see his complaints, but at the same time, you know, as Kirk said, you should be lucky because... The Pac-12 network is terrible. I've got news for you. Yeah, it's it not on DirecTV. It's, yeah, it's, it's awful. I don't have DirecTV, so I don't care, but I can't even get it in HD. You know how much money I pay for cable over here? And I still can't get it in HD. I have to stream it online to, to get an HD feed. And it's like, it's a joke. It's been a complete failure. You, you know, so I'm sorry. I've got news for you, Larry Scott. Get it together, man. Squash the beef with DirecTV. Get me the, t the channel in HD. I mean, when we stay in hotel rooms, you have the SEC network in HD, right? Yes. Good luck trying to get the Pac-12 network in a hotel room. That's insane. Uh, there, so, if no you way. ask, they would laugh in your face. They uh, So I I have DirecTV, so I don't have it. So these Pac-12 After Dark games, I will go across the street to the Irish pub with this guy from Ireland who was the bartender there. And he doesn't understand football. I think he's lived in I think I think he's lived in the States for like a year and a half. But he does enjoy gambling. So he'll solicit my advice and just randomly bet on some team and then ask me the rules of football. It's really it's really quite a scene over there. Me trying to explain to him what's happening with his $50 or whatever. Yeah, so, the, you know, the Pac-12, I do I do get tired of the late games, but it's the way it works. I mean, you know, it's a it's still a primetime game in Los Angeles. And I still think there's... There's going to be games at that time. I, I don't think it hurts the pet. I don't think – now, do I think the best team should be playing at that time? No. I think they should probably go for that window, you know, the 7 o'clock window uh, or whatever you want, the game with Herb Street. I think that's the way to go. And guess what? When Oregon was playing the national championship game, they weren't playing that many games at 10 o'clock. And when but USC – Yeah, if they're chasing ratings though, I mean, I guess Oregon is kind of a national appeal more than Washington. And USC is always going to be the draw in that time zone. I mean, a lot of this is kind of like those annoying baseball fans that complain about why is it Yankees Red Sox on Sunday night baseball every week? Well, guess what? Because the Yankees and Red Sox have more fans than your loser team. Uh, there's, I mean, there's something to be said for that, right? I mean, this is in the end about money. No, I totally, I totally agree. So, you know, zip it, Chris Peterson. You should be lucky. <laughs> hey, don't You're not a cut. The Yankees and the Red Sox. 
you're not entitled to your own facts is pretty funny. Like we're talking about, you know, I don't know, the deficit or something. That was, come on, Rod Gilmore, you're better than that. You know, anyway, moving on. Uh, this was interesting. I tweeted last night. Uh, I saw Florida's uniforms. Uh, they have new special edition uniforms for this weekend's game. And I tweeted the pictures of it just because I thought they looked cool. Um, and this was this is what I really wanted to have Nick on to talk about because Nick is our resident uniform fashion expert. But guess what, Rob? This tw- this tweet got 412 retweets at 819 likes. And I mean, it's not like I broke the news. But you, the reason I got that kind of attention is because what is my Twitter following? Primarily recruits, right? Yeah. They loved it. Meanwhile, I have I have I have to check my feed and I see all these uh, sports reporters being like, "These are so ugly." <laughs> is there any more played out thing than new uniforms are debuted than? Sports writers complain about how ugly they are. How long? How, we're, we're going on 20 years of this now, right? right? Tradition is old as time. It started at Oregon or something. I, in this defense of the old crusty sports writers, I don't know about ugly, but they're hilarious looking. I, I, I noted that they do kind of look like Halloween costumes. I mean, they're dressing up, well, as, they're allig- they're dressing up as alligators. But guess what? I, I'm not. Somebody posted a picture of that the logo with the gators writing on it. You know, the little the little cursive and they were like they were like this is such a classic look why would you ever change it it's like well because it looks dated no i'm, like, I'm with it I, I'm, I'm with it you know on a macro level i guess changing uniforms and i like all that but those specific uniforms i'm kind of like eh, i don't know if i'd want to wear that right, but, but of would, course i'm not i'm also not be, 20 21 years old right would you ever they're not as, as i saw our friend quincy say they're not for you <laughs> 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 no, and he's, he's got, right, isn't he? Yeah, yeah it's it's and I've said not, it's like the Kardashian thing. It's like everybody wants to, you know, all these old men are like, God, Kim Kardashian, it's terrible. I'm like, well, they didn't make the Keeping Up with the Kardashian show for 45 year old white men <laughs> to watch. I mean, it's not for you. It's this is for another audience, right? So, so here's what uh, here's what Quincy said of early tweet of the week. Why are old people hating on Florida's alternate jerseys? They ain't for you, bro. <laughs> what? And he has a point. But Quincy, I don't, you, wanna, I don't ever want to see. I don't ever want to see Quincy making fun of uh, keeping up with the Kardashians or some other show, Ninety Day Fiance, that is clearly not for him. Yeah, it ain't for you, bro. Sorry, Quincy. All right, now Gary Anderson fired, uh, quit, parted ways, mutually decided, whatever you want to say. Out at Oregon State, and guess what, Rob? We can't not talk about it, but who else could we bring on but the man himself, uh, the official uh, pr- music producer of the Commitment Issues podcast, M. Deuce. So uh, I had a conversation with him talking about this. He's a huge Oregon State fan, and boy, he is fired up to talk about it. So uh, that'll be our Commitment Issues conversations this week. Rob and I won't really talk about the Oregon State. He's got a unique take, too, though. More unique than either one of us. So he's probably better to speak on this. We welcome in a special guest to the show, part of a new segment where we invite our friends to talk uh, college football. And who better to be the first one than M. Deuce, our uh, in-house uh, musician, kind of the, uh, <laughs> what was the dude's name on the Tonight Show? <laughs> Jay Leno's band leader? That's you. I don't know. Kevin I guess, I guess it kind of is. I can't remember his name, but I think we all know who you're talking about. Yeah, his name was, I feel like his name was Kevin. I'll look it up. But anyway, that's you. So uh, you're joining us from where? Where are you? Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Where are you at right now? Uh, I currently am in a town called Kuna, Idaho, 
Uh, it's about eight and a half hours west of Eugene, Oregon, where where I'm actually from. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah. All right. So M. Deuce produces the music that you hear at the beginning and end, usually, of every episode. And uh, he also has a ton of music you can hear on SoundCloud. Uh, check him out there. He's also on uh, various social medias at M-Deuce. Now, the reason we're bringing him on, he mentioned he's from Eugene. We went to high school together, but he grew up a big fan of Oregon State and is probably one of the most loyal Beavers fans I know. I know you take your kids to games, seems like, on a weekly basis. I feel very sorry for them. That they, <laughs> <laughs> that you're I haven't so, heard that one so, before. <laughs> that you're subjecting them to losses every week. But when Oregon State fired their coach, you were the first person I thought of, and we've been uh, joking at your expense at the end of every episode during this season about how bad they are. This was supposed to be the year. They were supposed to take a step forward. So uh, kind of give us your reaction to uh, to Gary Anderson's decision to step away or, or be fired and, and the article that went along with it today that we saw in the Oregonian where some of his text messages to, uh, to John Canzano made, became public and it really uh, really kind of painted him in a, in a bad light. So what did you think? Well, I think, first of all, we need to just say that the text messages of John Canzano should never have happened. That dude just needs to be just completely away from everything, you know? Okay. But I, I'm probably not the only one that feels that way, but if I am, then, you know, I apologize. But, um, you know, real quick before I, I get into my little, my little spiel here, uh, I am not a sports analyst at all, you know, so you're probably going to lose at least 50% of your listeners right now. Um, but <laughs> I am a loyal Oregon state fan. I've had season tickets since high school. Um, I've watched the rise and, and, and leave of, uh, Riley and Erickson and Riley and now Gary Anderson, um, I've, I've been all over the place. I've met a lot of alumni. I've met a lot of important people at Oregon state, although I am not an alumni, I just happened to be born into a family that knows people and that has a lot of ties to Oregon state. So, um, basically I form my opinions on what I see, what I hear and what I think. And, um, I'm, my glass is usually kind of half empty. So let's just, we'll just get to get that out there right now before I, before I say anything. Um, you know, bottom line for me is, you know, you, you had said that, you know, after Mike Riley was fired and, you know, we hear that, you know, he's fired and then we hear that, 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 or excuse me, Mike Riley, uh, Gary Anderson, um, we hear that he's fired or we hear that they split on mutual terms and, you know, whatever the truth is, we really have no idea at this point because there's been so many mixed stories that have come out. Um, in fact, I, I can't remember what the, what the media site was, but something came out and just said a headline. Gary Anderson in, in Oregon State split ways and you click the link and that's all that it said because there's not enough information to even even put together a decent story yet and people try to do that. So um, my opinion, uh, the whole the whole mutually parted ways thing, um, you know, I understand Gary Anderson uh, being trying to be a stand up guy and, and accepting responsibility for what is what was his role? Um, you know, he signed a contract and said, Hey, here's, here's what I think I can do. And Oregon state agreed to that. Um, clearly that didn't happen. And for him immediately, in my opinion, uh, to throw all of the other coaches under the bus, uh, you know, I think is, is a, is a, is a bad step. It's a bad move for someone like him. You know, Gary Anderson has, has earned his stripes. Uh, he's, he's a well-respected coach. And I feel like that, that was not the kind of coach that I expected to see. Um, you know, I read that he said it is my responsibility, but he added that, but, and then he said, everybody else needs to step up their game or I accept responsibility, but I hired the wrong people. Um, you know, so, so in my opinion, I, I, I take that as he is, you know, deflecting blame from himself and just trying to, trying to get out as clean as possible. Um, 
Go ahead. What do you think about him leaving the money? On, I mean, leaving the money on the table. Like, do, do you view that as a? You know, I saw a lot of Oregon State fans on our Oregon State side saying, "Oh, what a stand-up guy." And no, that's no. kind of how Canzano painted it too. But those text messages kind of tell another story. I, I feel the complete opposite. Um, you know, I think we look at the two scenarios: either they mutually split with each other, like you know the headlines are posting, or behind the scenes, Oregon State fired him, and then they they want to save face and say that it was mutual. I also read that Gary Anderson went to the. Um, athletic director and said, I want to resign. And there was no arguments. I feel if Gary Anderson was legitly going to walk away from his contract, you know, in the middle of the season, and it was specifically his idea. And he went and said, Hey, I'm leaving. I haven't done my job. I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw out the money. I don't want any, anything to do with it. I feel like that is the most hypocritical and, uh, you know, I can't even think of a word. It's a terrible thing to do as a coach. Um, I, you know, I feel that the coach needs to be a leader, which everybody I, I believe feels that. And these kids look up to these coaches and, you know, I specifically remember hearing a statement from Gary. Uh, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of a couple of years ago. He said, it's going to be rough. We just need to hang on or something similar to that, basically acknowledging what we had already known was going to happen. We've been through this, you know, how many years have we been through this? You know, this is nothing new for Oregon State fans, you know? And so at that point, I thought, you know what, he's admitting this is going to be a rough ride and that's what we need to hear, you know? And then two and a half year, two and a half seasons in, you walk away from your boys and you say, you know, I don't even want the money. I feel like that's a slap in the face to me. I think that's just, that's just the coward's way out in my opinion. And, um, Let's let's flip it on the other side of the of the paper there, and let's say that he did get fired from behind the scenes. Then why on earth would he have not taken the contract, the twelve million dollars or whatever it was, to that he that he that as a, as a responsible adult you signed a contract you need to uphold to the contract? Am I right or am I not right? You know, so I don't care. I know this is twelve million dollars, and he's not, he's not a stand up guy in my opinion at this point. I feel like he was a terrible way out, and if he got fired, it needed to come out, and he should have taken his money and walked away. I don't feel like it was. And in my opinion, with the coach of Oregon State, which we have been plagued with difficulty for my entire life, you know, let's be realistic about it. Um, but the last person those kids need to see when things get difficult is their coach to walk out in the middle of the season. At least finish out the season, admit your responsibility, take, you know, take it all, take the blame, and then leave with your money and just smile and never come back. Everything would have been fine. So – I can't remember which side you were on when, because it seemed like the last couple of years Mike Riley were there, people were essentially starting to turn on him, and then he decided to leave. Were you in the camp that was was turning on him towards the end as well? Uh, I hung on for longer than most um, of the Oregon State fans that I was around did. Um, I've uh, been fortunate enough to have some pretty some pretty uh, good seats at Oregon State, um, and I've got to meet a lot of people. Um, including Mike Riley, and um, I got to meet the previous athletic director, Bob DeCarolis, a whole lot of Oregon State alumni that are in the NFL that would come to games. And um, and so, you know, it's uh, with Riley, you know, it was the nice guy thing. It was the nice guy thing. You know, Riley's a nice guy. And and we watched Riley take these, you know, these two and three star guys and turn them into NFL players, you know, which was awesome. But we just couldn't put it together, you know. And so I, I, I stuck with it because, you know, Riley was – there were measurable results with Riley, even if it wasn't a winning season. We were watching these guys go from freshmen to NFL players, 
you know what I mean? And these were the the third, the three stars, you know, so, so we were at least seeing some sort of results that, you know, Riley was doing something, but, you know, I, I can't remember what game it was. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Colorado's first win in the Pac-12, I think, <laughs> was when I said, all right, it's time, to, it's time for a change, because naturally that would be Oregon State. Uh, so... Yeah, um, but so I hung on for a bit longer. But as soon as as soon as that happened, it was time. You know, the nice guy stuff's got to go. You know what I mean? It's we're we're sitting here. You know, I live in a town where I'm watching. You know, the U of O, our rivals, just you know, explode into an elite team. You know, out of almost nowhere, and just get these incredible players and and coaches that that just take them incredible places. You know, and it's it's a tough thing to watch. Um, you know, and so when I saw that, I was like, all right, well, it's time to change things up. And Gary Anderson sounded like the ideal candidate for the job, in my opinion. So, so what happens now? Now we we hear, you hear you're mad about it. What do you think they do? Who do you want to see? I guess we should say who you've seen probably some of these lists. I know you've been traveling, but some names, some guys. What what direction do you want them to go in for for the next coach? Uh, you know, there's there's a. Not many that I that I can really think of that I would like to see, but I know that um, what is he the John, Jonathan Jonathan Smith the what is he the, oh the the old quarterback, quarterback yeah yeah former quarterback of Oregon State and he's what so he's up at Washington now I think yeah he's the um, offensive coordinator at offensive coordinator right was, he, that's yeah that's where he's at and I think that would be awesome I'm not saying that's even a possibility and I have no reason to even say that. But it, the, the, when when we come back, like I said, we've been through this many times. And so every single time we're looking for a new coach or we've thought about looking for a new coach, the thought of former alumni always comes up. And any alumni that's in some sort of a coaching position at a college, in my opinion, is is a good is a good look, at least at least to just consider. Yeah, I, he seemed, he was the quarterback when we were in high school, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a long time. Sadly, a long time ago. So you you want them to go with the Oregon State guy, right? Somebody who who has ties to the program. You don't want uh, you don't want Mark Helfrich or somebody like that. Come on, dude. Of course you got the other. No, I don't want Mark Helfrich, and I don't want us to go on a nationwide search to try to find a quarterback, or I mean, to try to find a a, a coach. You know, th- that's ridiculous. You know, we we hired Gary Anderson. Like I said, it was a great move at the beginning. You know, he's well respected. and He's earned his his stripes. But we didn't even interview anybody. We didn't look for anybody. We saw Gary Anderson and we brought him on and it didn't work. You know what I mean? And then I and then I, I read that Oregon State's going to start looking nationwide for another for another coach. And I just I just feel like we should tone it down a little bit. You know, let's let's think inside the box a little bit instead of trying to think of let's not try to make things too crazy. You know, let's get some, you know, Gary Anderson said that that his goal, I believe it was was it la- I can't remember if it was last season or this season was to make a bowl game. When I heard that, I almost laughed. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's a terrible thing because this is my team, but I am the most realistic Oregon State fan you're going to meet. And that's a tough thing for me to fathom, seeing what I've seen the last few last few seasons. You know, I don't know that we need to bring in, you know, some some veteran coach, you know, that's that's been coaching these big name teams for, you know, the past, you know, however long it's been. But, you know, we look at uh, Jonathan and we look at he was he was quarterback at what, like maybe the late nineties, early two thousands, I think. I can't quite remember exactly. Yeah, um, you know, and so we look at him and he's had a positive record. You know, he's seemed like a, a, a just a normal guy that's just doing what he's supposed to do. And you know that you, there's gotta be some sort of an inkling to want to at some point in your career go back to the to the school that you played for. I feel like that would be the case anyway. 
All right, M. Deuce. Well, guess what? We finally had a reason to have you on the show. <laughs> hey, uh, we have you on the show every every single episode. It's just, you know, in musical form. Now, could you give the uh, – you've known me since we were probably – I don't even know how long, since we were in middle school maybe. I'm trying to think probably going back to uh, 20 plus years. And can you tell the people that, that my rants, you've been hearing them uh, off the air, right, since when? Since, since high yeah, school? Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure me and, me and you first started hating each other in like sixth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but, but, you know, it's great. It's great to hear you on these because this is the exact same way that we grew up with. This is the same guy that we saw in high school. This is the same guy in middle school. And it's, it's, it's beautiful that you will be able, you were able to transition into your professional field, which we knew you would be in the sports field. Um, but be able to, uh, control your language and temper long enough to get a, get a podcast recorded. So congratulations to you, my friend. I know you've, I'm sure you've cut some stuff before. I'm sure you have. <laughs> that wraps it up. If you want to find your music, where, where else can we find your music? And besides SoundCloud. Uh, so we got SoundCloud. SoundCloud is, is going down. It's, it's become mainstream, not about independent artists anymore. Currently I'm kind of working on trying to find a new place, but uh, you can find me at uh, facebook.com slash music deuce, M U S I C D E U C E. Um, and I am on Instagram as M Deuce Beats, I believe, M underscore Deuce Beats, or just M underscore Deuce. Uh, right now, I'm a little bit quiet. I've um, had a broken computer for a bit, but I have got a new one put together and the studio's back up and running. And I've got a, I'm behind on like two complete albums. So there's going to be a whole lot of stuff coming out really soon. Just uh, if anyone's interested, keep your, your eyes and ears tuned to that. Uh, otherwise, listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we should try to. We we do have two more rivals podcasts now that we're not on. I, I think they could use an upgrade in music. We might have to look into that, uh, getting them some, some quality beats. But uh, you can hear. Oh, you can also. We've used your music in several in several different uh, several different uh, projects at rivals.com. So if you stay on the website, you hear M Deuce's music. Please support him. And uh, M Deuce, thanks for coming on, man. Great to hear from you. All right, M. Deuce, boy, bringing the heat today, huh, Rob? Yeah, you know, it really sounded like he was he, he was he was fired up about this situation. <laughs> well, hopefully, he didn't have to do too many bleeps there. Um, but anyway, we uh, we move on. It is now time for tweet of the week. You better hope that mediocre money that you make at rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life. We had a bonus tweet from Quincy, which uh, which a lot of people liked, and guess what? I've got a couple other uh, a couple other good ones here. First I think a lot of people like you. You do have some. You do have some <laughs> qualities <laughs> that are a lot like the leader of the free world right now. Yes, a lot of people hey, guess what? It. It's a great tweet. Phenomenal tweet. Uh, guess what? Nick will tell you that I've been saying a lot of people in reference to myself for dating back to. 10 years so trump stole that from me um i would, I would brag about that i'm trying to scroll th i'm scrolling through my favorites here boy did you see this video of the uh, byu uh dance team with the mascot dancing i saw it today yeah oh boy I mean, it's phenomenal so it's anyway, only phenomenal because it's byu if it's any other school it's not funny but because it's a you know it's a predominantly mormon university it makes me laugh Okay, so the first one uh, was came from a, a guy named Medium Happy, who I see a lot of prominent sports writers retweet. I'm not sure what his job is. He's he, he's the founder of Medium Happy. His name is John Walters. He's a writer, waiter, jack of all trades. So he's followed by a lot of prominent sports writers that don't follow me, which is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, so not that I'm hating on him. 
uh, <laughs> he says, he says, you'll have to explain to me why ESPN has the same reporter who's on set at 9 a.m. in one city doing post-game interviews at 11.20 in another. Which, okay, we know that the reason why she does that, he's referring to Maria Taylor, because the crew from College Game Day then goes and does the primetime game on ESPN, right? Yes. So Andy Staples, friend of the show, previous guest, retweets him and says, Airplanes? (laughs) Airplanes? <laughs> Crash. Crash. Which I really enjoyed because that is how it works. It is airplanes. And then and then Medium Happy goes on to say, you know, he goes on to down a problematic path. So if you want to look well, up Imagine, those... I don't want to look at the problematic patch, but imagine caring about that. Like, what kind of person are you if you're like, geez, I cannot believe this person has flown across the country to do a game. I... I Having the time to care about that is unbelievable to me. I can't, I can't fathom even having a take on that or even noticing it. Well, that's why he's medium happy, not all the way happy. Because I've uh, clicked on his website, and you will shock you to know that underneath the title of medium happy, the first headline on here just says political football. I will not read past that, but I'm sure this is scorching hot. I, I, I. I I can imagine what this says. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's the take du jour. Um, The second headline. The second headline. Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Let's stop. Yeah, you're right. The second headline is much worse than the first one. And we're not going to talk about that. So one more tweet came from Ethan Incredible, who uh, appears to be a Kentucky fan. Uh, Beers beats Battlestar Galactica, which is an office reference. Hashtag Big Blue Nation. Uh, tweets a lot about tweets a lot about the Kentucky. I don't follow him. Somehow this got re- this got into my timeline. Now Matt Elam, a controversial figure for Kentucky fans, he was ripped as being of the year by uh, ESPN's crew uh, down at the uh, SEC Media Days. He then uh, <laughs> he was controversial as a recruit because he was ranked a five star elsewhere. We ranked him as a three star, and boy, there was. You know, that was one of my most controversial rankings. You know, I tend to go out on a limb on one player every year, and that was the one. So far, I seem to be right as Elam's uh, essentially a backup in his, his senior year hasn't had much of an impact there. But there was an injury during the game, and they needed him to come in. And our boy Ethan <laughs> says, <laughs> I don't even know, I should read this. He says, Matt Elam better get his fat post Malone blank in the backfield and hit somebody. <laughs> 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 I don't know if you guys know who Post Malone is. Google him. He's a very funny-looking uh, rapper. He's White Iverson, um, I believe, is his famous, most famous. What? What's the other song? Congratulations, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's got, you know, he's got the gold grill. He's got kind of like hair, like you would assume from like a member of Slipknot. But and he's got the gold grill and the knuckle tattoos. Yeah, he looks kind of like James, like James Franco's character in that Spring Breakers movie or riff, a riffraff type look. But so anyway, yeah. yeah, with a grill, with a prominent grill. So anyway, great tweet, Ethan. That really made me laugh when I, when I stumbled upon it. <laughs> so big shot to him. Only got two favorites, one of which was from me. So uh, anyway. All right, no Womack fact check this week. Just a quick, uh, which which was, by the way, I decided was the new name of Why You Always Lying. Just a quick thing. Hercules Mata'afa, the D-tackle at Washington State, was a three-star, not a two-star, okay? A prominent media member who said that. 
And Justin Fields is a dual threat quarterback. He's not a pro style quarterback. Other media member who said that. So I'm not going to get into names this week. Just those are the two of the lazy narratives that I heard this week. Uh, you know, Mata Afa being a two star, being one that I've heard several times, and I looked up his ranking, and he was a three star. So now, time for some complaints. You got anything? We used to. You, you have nothing new on the sheet, Rob. I've got. I've got a good one that you might enjoy. So I don't have anything. Um, I you know the one that we talked about yesterday is probably not fit for this podcast. I will. Uh, I will. I will skip that and let you go. Okay, so you have, are no longer on Facebook, right? Correct. Which uh, is very, fine. I told, very totally happy. understand. Yeah, you've you've been living life. Now we had. Uh, I still am on Facebook, barely. I don't. Uh, I don't post that much. <laughs> oh man, hold on. I'm trying to find the post here. I don't post that much, but I do. I do creep. I do lurk a little bit. And you know, as is on Facebook, I'm friends with several people who I was. Uh, classmates with in high school even though i don't oh, ever boy. talk to them i know where this is going <laughs> so you know a lot of people what do they post on facebook now you post your kids right now i don't have any children so oh, i thought you were going to get into a post where it started with i don't usually get political on facebook well, <laughs> no, <laughs> no i i did i decided not to do that one so so this particular girl i won't name her name or her last name uh went to, to high school with she's she had a child this week obviously great news for her and she says welcome to our family and the the child's name is this m a i a says when it was born says the the weight healthy baby you know she was induced three weeks early but it's perfect then she says parentheses Name said like Maya, M-A-Y-A. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I I have a weird name. My name is Woody, okay? And my middle name is Mohandas. So weird names, I understand. Guess what? Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's other things. If and when I have children, they will have weird names, much like myself. Rob, you obviously have a normal name. Uh but and and Maya is a normal name. But why what is this insistence on these ridiculous spellings okay let me drop you have to... i'm ready to drop some knowledge here and this is gonna get you it's gonna hit you right it's gonna hit you right in the greek are you ready m-a-i-a maya has overtones and mythical roots this is from nameberry.com in the greek legend she was the fair-haired daughter of atlas who mothered zeus's favorite illegitimate son hermes so we've got a greek name here womack this puts you in a rock and a hard place whereas you're mad about the weird <laughs> spelling but do you love everything greek where do you come down now? Guess what? I got news for you. You know what else is a Greek name, Rob? John. Okay? And it's spelled, it's Yanni. Okay? All right? Guess what? How many people would mess up the name if it was spelled Yanni, like a Greek name? Just spell it the right... I don't, that's fine. You named it after Maya, which, you know, according to according to Wikipedia, it is a Greek name. I don't, you know... <laughs> I'd like to get Mayberry.com. <laughs> we might have to we might have to uh we might have to call in some other people about if the name is Maya or uh but perhaps Mayas with an S on the end. I'm not sure. Um the my point is well, guess what? My point is name the baby M A Y A. Because now we're one we're we're seriously okay, the baby was born at six thirty six, right? Mm-hmm. This was posted at 8.40 p.m., 8.41. So you're two hours and five minutes into the baby's life, and you're already having to explain how to say its name. 
Boy, but at the same time, now we're washing away Greek mythology, and I'm sure there are some cultures that would really have a problem with that. Well, you know, guess what? I, I wasn't a big fan of Greek mythology when I was in school, and I'm not now, so. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you, were you forced to read the Iliad? Yes, I was, and I remember specifically, and I've told this story several times, I remember specifically being like, this is so stupid. Greek people are so dumb. They made up all these dumb stories. Why do we have to read this? So, you know. <laughs> The failing Greek empire. <laughs> the failing Greek economy. Right. Exactly. If they knew what they were doing, they'd still be around. Where's um, your Zeus now, huh? Right. Exactly. That was me. So, you know, congratulations, Maya. I hope you have a great life of explaining how to say your name to every person <laughs> that you meet going forward. <laughs> so, I would just be like, yeah, Maya, you know, like the fair-haired daughter of Atlas. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I did not know that you plebe. Yeah, come on. I'm the goddess of nursing mothers. How about how about that for irony? She's the goddess of nursing mothers, but she's a baby who has to nurse off of her mother. Wow. I mean, look at that. I, see, that's not in what I've got pulled yeah. up here. We're learning all kinds of Greek yeah. mythology on the podcast today. Yeah, so anyway... Forget it, Maya. I had some other complaints, but uh, I also have a dentist appointment. So, I don't, uh, you got any recommendations? I'm trying to think. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I I forgot Always Sunny in Philadelphia was a show for like a decade. I I just forgot it existed. So I went back and I'm catching up on like the six seasons I missed, and it still delivers. Yeah, it was actually recording on my DVR last night, and I went ahead and deleted it. So <laughs> I decided not to not to keep up. I I probably checked out two or three seasons ago. It is a funny show. For some reason, it started to feel like homework. Yeah, so. it's just because it's so long. I think that's what happened to me, too. I just somehow, I never got mad and quit. I just forgot they were making it. Real quick, before we go, I'm looking at, somebody tweeted a picture. It was, it was Oregon football. Tweeted a picture of uh, a story, Ducks expect to step forward offensively. And, you know, they have these play boards on the sideline with the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I'm looking at this one. It's got uh, Tony Montana on the top left. <laughs> then it says 305 till I die on the top right. And it's got a picture of palm trees in Miami on the bottom left. And the last one says driven. So how about that? Is this a nod to the Dolphins offensive line coach? No, oh, jeez. Okay. See, look. <laughs> I mean, look, man, if you're going to put 305 and a picture of Scarface on the week that this has happened, you got to be, you got to be ready for those questions. We almost made it the whole way without you bringing that up. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, we should play. You know what? I wanted to thank you, too, before we go for not. This is the first time in the history of this podcast where you have mentioned, please log in, leave us a review without make fun of Rob. Well, guess what? You just did it. I know. So, I, know I did. Um, I was going to say for, for Nick to have. Uh, go ahead and have congrats. Even though we had M. Deuce on the show this week. We love you, MDs, but it's time to have uh, Post Malone. Congratulations. Play us out, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Now they always say congratulations. Worked so hard, forgot how to vacation.